Sisku's coming up. And welcome to another edition of Fantasy Sports Daily. My name is Dean Millard. It is an absolute pleasure to have you joining me today on the program from the marsh just outside of Edmonton. Uh, Thank you so much for uh, jumping in the Twitch chat. Um, you can, if you're, if you're listening to this and it's not live, either doing it through YouTube, which we appreciate or on audio where you can find all of our podcasts just by searching ultimate franchise or ultimate fantasy sports network. And you can always get us live on Twitch at this time. So thanks so much for joining the show today. We had a massive one yesterday. It was really, really fun. Andy McNamara wound everybody up with his rankings. Larry Fisher gave you an idea of, you know, what scouting in our platform could be like for you and how uh, you could actually make some money pretty impressive stuff on the show today we are going to be chatting with my good friend dave jameson of tsn 1260 he um has uh covered sports at a bunch of different levels and he has seen a number of superstars goats whatever you want to call them we're gonna talk about legacies today because i watched that serena williams match last night and it was it was fun don't get me wrong but it was just bit weird. There is no doubt um, I consider her one of the greatest tennis players of all time. You could throw the word women right out because uh, she is dominant. Also on the program today, Phil Beavis. He is a man of many things in ultimate franchise fantasy sports. He's also a man that is a owner of a franchise that has Shohei Otani. And so Phil's going to come on and make his case for why Shohei should be the MVP. A lot of people go and judge. Um, You know, overall MVP, Paul Goldschmidt's got to be in the case. Same with Justin Verlander. Bad news for him. He's on the 15-day DL uh, with a calf issue. We'll get to that in a second. But even Verlander for uh, uh, for the Astros, sensational. So... We'll discuss a lot of that. Uh, Phil can give you a first-hand look of what it's like uh, to be involved in UFFS, which uh, we hope to grow uh, to bigger and better things. So that's what we have lined up for you. Also, our top three and our question of the day. But as always, would love to hear from you in the chat room here on Twitch. Chime in, have your thoughts, be a part of the contest. You can't call the shots if you're sitting in the stands. Get in the game. All right, let's get to our question of the day. Inspired by my former high school law teacher, Myron French, who would start every class with the question of the day. So for today's show, because this is such a important day for fantasy football, because rosters, cutdowns are over. It is four, past 4 p.m. Eastern. Cutdowns are supposed to be done in the NFL. So this is an important time period. Uh, now, if, if you're worried about your MVP getting cut, then you have bigger problems. You have massive problems if you're worried about that. But that is our question of the day. Who is your MVP 
in your fantasy football season going into it this year? We did our draft last night, um, and it was like, it was a bleep show two picks in. It really was. And I say bleep because... Yeah, we're werewolves, not swearwolves. I'm going to cut that one off here. What are we? Werewolves, not swearwolves. Yeah, we're werewolves. We're not swearwolves. So we had our draft last night. Two picks in. Guys like, I can't take a quarterback. I can't this. I can't do blah, blah, blah. Jamie Thomas is our commissioner. He's AWOL. I don't know where the hell he is. I Like, honestly, I'm sitting back. I didn't have a pick till the, till the end of the first round because I won last year. Champion victory. But... I was just laughing so hard because these guys are freaking out. And, you know, honestly, nothing feels as intense as UFFS anymore. So none of my drafts I really get too hung up about. Um, the, the, the league I carry about is the UFHL big time. And the Duckman's domination, the UFWJ, the UFAHL, the teams I have ownership in, where it's ultimately realistic. But, you know, when I look at my uh, fantasy team, my two MVPs, I, I'll probably go with Mike Evans because I'm in a touchdown-only league. So you only get points for t- TD. So Mike Evans is that guy. I hope Tyreek uh, uh, Hill can be that guy, which is uh, one of the reasons I threw up the old Marino 13 jersey today right beside Gretter and Andy Moog. Gretzky, the greatest of all time for a lot of people. There's Guy Lafleur's jersey up there as well. Uh, but there's the, my Moog wall as well. But that's why I threw up the Dolphins jersey because I'm trying to make sure Tyreek Hill, I'm trying to make sure he has the same kind of production. He put up 60 points in our fantasy league last year. Remember, it's a touchdown-only league. He's only projected to put up 42. So I need Tyreek Hill to have a bigger year. But Mike Evans would be my MVP. Uh, Jalen Hurts is one of my quarterbacks. Josh Jacobs, Javante Williams, Amari Cooper, Evans, Tyreek Hill, Deontay Johnson. And, oh, I also got uh, Knox Dawson last night, or Dawson Knox last night, <laughs> the guy with two first names. Um, so th- I'm pretty happy with that team as the defending champs. Clyde Wed- Edwards-Alaire on the bench. Got Raheem Mostart late, another Miami connection. But I want to know who is the MVP on your fantasy football team. Arnie is joining the show. He says, ha, 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 I have that in my yearly hockey drafts. None of these drafts get me as excited anymore. Yeah, I know. It's it's weird. I just can't, I can't, like, I'm not even in another hockey league. I quit my other hockey league because it was a weekly league, which is, this is, a, this is the worst thing ever. Weekly leagues are dumb. I'm sorry. I, I'm, you know, I, I hate to offend weekly league people, but I hate them. Hate is a strong word, and I hate them. They're awful. Weekly leagues, like they're they're the worst. Ah. Can't even find the clip that I want. Oh, okay. This is what I think of weekly leagues. Am I hot? Yeah, I'm hot. That's a crock of crap. Yeah, you said it, Wayne. You said it. Weekly leagues stink. How would, especially like weekly football leagues or whatever. They'll play three days. But hockey weekly leagues or baseball weekly leagues? 
Come on, that's terrible. Nick T MVP chiming in saying Cooper Cup for the win. Yeah, that's. I bet you Cooper Cup won a ton of people their uh, fantasy leagues last year. He was absolutely dominant. So thanks, Nick, for chiming in. Have your say on uh, our Twitch chat, or you can also uh, chime in at Duck Millard. Or you can uh, get all of us on Twitter, at UFS Network, at UFF Sports. You can also get us at UFF S Official, UFF Sports Official on Insta. UFFSports.com is the website. And you can email us, info at UFFSports.com. All right, so that is the question of the day. Now for the top three. And in honor of Serena Williams crushing it, although she did look a little nervous early on, uh, at the U.S. Open last night, in her 40s, just absolutely dominating. I want to know who are your top three goats of all sports. So your three greatest of all time, in sports. Now, this is obviously one of the best debates you can ever have. I mean, narrowing down the top three best players in one sport is can sometimes ruin family reunions. Doing it for all of sports could ruin humanity. You know, not that humanity is all that good these days. It's, you know, maybe we need to talk more sports. So anyway, this is my list of GOATs. And it's all sport-wide. Gretzky, or Gretter, as my uh, good friend's buddy called him at one point, he's number one. I, like, I just, I was saying it yesterday, the, the domination above his peers over his time was so massive that it's hard for me to look at anybody else. The, and, and, and also remember, this is my era. The closest guy to Gretzky to, for me is Mario Lemieux. As far as, you know, domination and skill. Hell, the guy had a cancer treatment and came back and led the league in scoring. So Gretzky gets my vote just because he was so much better than everybody. Serena Williams is number two for me. You know, like the, the accomplishments. That, like, go look at when she first played at the U.S. Open, and she's still there now. Six-time champion, over 20 majors. An absolute dominant, dominant player. And Tom Brady. Tom Brady's in there for, uh, for me. Again, I go back to titles, obviously. Uh, longevity has a big thing. Like Serena Williams and Tom Brady. Gretzky quit because nobody could finish. The guy was setting up everybody left, right, and center, and nobody could finish. And he's like, that's it. I'm out. Seven C's Mooch chiming in saying Michael Jordan. Most definitely. For me, Jordan's the greatest basketball player ever. Now, again, I didn't watch Bill Russell play. It's hard for me. So, and and... I like the, I think LeBron is awesome, but Jordan was Jordan. Jordan was so much more dominant. Left, came back. Um, he had a great team, but so did LeBron. I mean, I don't remember Jordan recruiting Carl Malone. You know, I just, he, like, 
I think that yeah, they got Pippen, Horace Grant, um, uh, Tony Kukoc. I mean, it's it's like they they didn't go out and recruit like sort of happens today. Uh, Nick TVIP says Team Canada women down by two late in the third against the U.S. right now. Oh my goodness! How did I not have that on? I got the U.S. Open on right now. Oh my god! Thank you, Nick. I'm turning that on right now. It's four two in the third. The Americans have the lead. I can't imagine how excited Mooch is right now. Uh, Andy Mack says Brady equals goat, and Mooch says agreed about. Uh, I don't know if he's agreeing about Tom Brady or agreeing about my uh, reasoning for going with LeBron James. Arnie says, nobody has had more gates against him than Brady, and he still won. Hell, he won with balls that barely had air in them. Very good point. Now, oh, seven C's agreeing with my reasoning. I like that. Now, I will say, Arnie, if Arnie ever tries to convince you of something to do with Brady, Jonathan Huberto, I'm trying to think of who else. He's, he's, he's like me and Andy Moger, the Wheat Kings. We're a little biased when it comes to those guys. So just just be careful in, uh, in that regard. Okay, so Phil Beavis is uh, on the way at uh, 20 after the hour. Dave Jamison at 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, We got our question of the day out there. Who is your MVP heading into your fantasy football season? And there's our top three as well. Top three goats in all of sports. Love to hear uh, some names from you who you think are the top three goats of sports. Uh, But, you know, this is a very important day for fantasy football fans because guys are getting cut and ah, where is that i had a graphic here i have to i have to bring this graphic in because this this um situation this trend i guess you will uh, with the raiders is so bizarre that all of their cuts their first round picks in the last couple of years, have been cut. Yeah, I'm going to bring this board up right now. This is wild. Look at all these Raiders first-round picks that have been cut over the last three years. So this year, Alex Leatherhead gets cut. Henry Ruggs, we know, went to jail. 2020, Damon Ameta. He gone. He's out. Or Arnett, sorry. Pharrell in 2019, they declined him. Josh Jacobs declined him. Jonathan Abram. Like, if you're uh, at all getting drafted, do you just pull a Lindros now and be like, no, no, we're good. You, you keep that jersey. We are good. That's crazy. Now, there's been a ton of turmoil, obviously, with the Raiders. I don't think anybody needs to, uh, to be reminded of, of what has happened there over the last little while. But honestly, you've you got to be looking at your situation if the Raiders draft you in the first round and saying, I'm not sure. By the way, the U.S. on a power play now, a minute to go on a power play, 250 to go in that contest. 
This would be a huge start to this tournament because the U.S. women lost double gold to Canada last year, Olympics and World. So uh, they are definitely out for blood, and this is a, a different uh, Canadian team as well. So cut-down day in the National Football League. Philip Lindsay was cut. But this doesn't mean guys are done. I mean, Raheem Mostart didn't go on, didn't get drafted, and then I think he got cut like five times. Goes to the 49ers, now ends up uh, splitting things in the backfield. So just because one of your guys gets cut, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the end of the world, but uh, Austin Allen was cut by the Giants. Philip Lindsay was released by the Colts, the running back. Janarius Robinson, the Vikings, uh, released uh, the D-lineman. O.J. Howard was released by the Bills. Anthony Harris, if you're in an IDP league, uh, safety released by the Eagles. Duke Johnson. I almost took Duke Johnson last night because he's been fairly reliable when you have to plug him in. I know he's listed on this list as average, but I don't know. If you're in a bind, he might be able to help out. So there's some interesting players that have been released, and we'll kind of get through them throughout the show as we go. Uh, but if there is a player that was released from your fantasy Franchise, love to hear about it. Tony says, goats don't cheat, Arnie. Ooh, the haunch throwing it down in the chat. And Mooch is excited about the women's hockey. They're up 4-2. The Americans are the Canadians. Just killed off a power play. Nick TVIP says, Mary Lemieux, one of his goats. I like that. And Arnie says, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Arnie wants to know, oh, Tony wants to know if Arnie's talking about selling pigs or fantasy. I don't even want to get into that conversation. That's what I know for sure. I do not want to be a part of that conversation. Okay, speaking of conversations, when we come back, we're going to chat with Phil Beavis. He is going to give us his case for Shohei Otani as the MVP, and the U.S. has scored an empty net goal. So it looks like the Americans will draw first blood in the world. All right, we're back with Beavis, no butthead, right after this on Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily.
Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily rolls along. As the Americans take out... I'm going to say it's an upset because the Canadians are the uh, defending world champions and uh, the defending gold medal champions. But uh, the Americans have defeated the Canadians 5-2 at the Women's Worlds. Arnie says it would be so cool if we could drop so cool if we could drop some Beavis skiffs. And Larry says, no pressure, Phil. You only have to convince Mooch. He's here for the MVP debate. Yes. Uh, we're gonna bring in our next guest in uh, just one second. Uh, you can always find us on twitch.tv slash ultimate fantasy sports. Okay. Uh, our next guest is uh, a very busy man when it comes to UFF sports. It's everybody's favorite Beavis, Phil Beavis. How are you, my man? I'm good. How you doing, Dane? I am excellent. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. I was uh, I, I open Telegram as I do every day and and wonder kind of what to get. And I absolutely love that article you you threw in there and the debate you put up for Shohei Otani, which I know you guys went hard in UFLB to get that first pick and get Shohei Otani. So maybe just reiterate what you were chatting about when it comes to the MVP race and and where you think Otani fits in. Right. Um, and really, for the longest, I thought I was the only one left on the Otani MVP train. Uh, and then I come up on that article this morning. And realistically, to me, I don't think you can take away from Otani just based on how horrible the Angels are doing this season, you know? And I was really hoping you'd have Mooch in here. But, uh,. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no matter, like I was saying on there, to me, uh, you know, 40-plus home runs, 150 strikeouts, 15-plus starts, tops a 60-home run season to me. I mean, it just is what it is. Yeah, I mean, listen, people can talk about the fact that uh, sometimes they have a a six-man rotation or the numbers aren't there. Just the fact that, like, I think the fact that Otani pitches and hits automatically puts him in that conversation. He's doing something that nobody else is doing, and if he's even remotely good, he's got to be in the conversation. Right, and a lot of people act like it's going to start this big two-way wave of players coming in. And I, I don't see it. I see a lot trying it, but I don't see a lot succeeding at it. Yeah, like I, I wish more people would. I mean, John Olerud was an amazing pitcher uh, coming out of college. It would have been great to see what he could do. He almost hit 400 at the plate. You know, what could he do? And, and I hope it does, but it's one of the hardest things to ever do. You're not going to see a massive amount of, of people coming into it. Now, what about the, the team success versus the individual player success? Obviously, Angels stink. The Yankees are going to the playoffs. How do you factor in that component? Um, well, like I said, me personally... I'd say you can't take that away from Otani just for the failures for everybody around him. I mean, obviously the Yankees, I say they're, they're probably going to win the world series this year. Uh, Mm -hmm. 
but just due to that, I don't see Judge taking the actual MVP. Because the way I see it, uh, how many games do the Angels win without Otani at all? Yeah. You know, the the Yankees could, I think, uh, Mooch threw out a number that they had won without him. And, yeah, it was it was a little skewered. But, I mean, without Otani starts, how many Angels wins do they really get? Yeah, I, I'm – I'm I'm with you. Without his starts on the hill and his bat, you know, like you take away his starts and you know his bat, they're gonna you take away e- either one of them. You take away both of them. I don't even know where they are. And you know, now that Mooch's argument is the Angels suck with Otani. I think your argument is they would suck even more with him. And then he counters with everyone has failed around Judge. Well, isn't that that the same thing as the Angels? Then you're you're saying everyone around the Yankees has failed judge, but they're going to the playoffs because they obviously got a, a hotter start. But it's almost like you guys are saying the same thing because the Angels roster, other than when Trout is in there, isn't that great. And, and Mooch is saying the Yankees roster sucks and, and judge is the only guy there. So it almost sounds like in a roundabout why you guys are saying the same thing. Right. Even if we're saying the same thing, Mooch is wrong. <laughs> always i love it okay so but yeah um, i think that that's going to be a battle no matter what uh you know it comes down do you really put the mvp race in the hands of that particular uh player stats on the season or the team as a whole so uh, let's talk a little bit about, uh, we see a few logos there. I couldn't find uh, an Immortals logo, but uh, we've got the Reapers. We got Hydra. We got the Scoville Ghosts. I love that. And the, the Battle Hounds. I mean, is, you know, this league is awesome. The leagues that you are in, in the UFLB, UFAFL, college, um, that's cool. But is naming the team, going through that logo, uh, I know it can be sometimes stressful because we really want it to look great. How cool is that process? I mean, those are four amazing-looking logos. Man, creating the organizations is the coolest part. You know, uh, that the fun part is up until the draft. The work comes draft forward. But the fun part is always getting those logos made uh you know, first draft and building on that. That's yeah, so cool. So you guys started with Hydra. That was your your first uh, entry, and you're the GM of that. And then you you really got why why did you decide like, hey, I want to get into this even more. I want to get more franchises. Man, I've been playing fantasy football for you know 15 years probably, and once. Uh, like you said, the Hydra started, it it become an addiction. You know, UFFS, it it sucks you in once you get in. So, yeah, once, uh, you know, more leagues opened, there's no reason not to. Yeah, and we're, you know, behind the scenes, lots of work going on. Um, we're, we're hoping to grow this as everybody can, can see and, and get it on the blockchain and, you know, Get it into the, the the mainstream. I know we have some things with some daily fantasy, but the job of being a GM for, for just one team, 
it's a pretty it's a pretty busy uh, gig. How do you handle five different teams, my man? Um, as as far as baseball, I have a GM who puts in quite a bit of work. Uh, with basketball, you know, it's it's kind of uh, skewed a little way from the other sports as far as time of the year. Uh, and as far as legends goes, it starts right at the end of football season and, uh, you know, ends right before baseball. So it, it all falls together very busily, but, uh, it works out at the moment. <laughs> oh yeah, no doubt. What, what's your number one sport? What's your, your go-to the sport that you feel you love the most and, uh, are maybe the most educated in when it comes to fantasy football or fantasy sports rather, sorry. Um, I'll tell you this. I, I'm an owner of the Reapers, but Hydra is my baby. <laughs> that was my right. first, and that's, yeah. Pro football is my thing. Yeah. What what excites you about the college league, though, this year? Uh, you know, this is something, like, we just finished the Ultimate Fantasy World Juniors, which is uh, a massive event in, in hockey, but nothing near what the college football scene is in the United States, obviously, where, where you are located. But what gets you uh, really, really excited about uh, the college football uh, setup that we have? Right. I actually... Uh, started in a campus to Canton league probably two or three years ago and they got me into college uh, fantasy sports and yeah I mean college college fantasy football there's so many points everywhere there's so many teams uh you know you're gonna have 150 running backs score 15 points a week so you know everybody's scoring high but you really gotta pick that diamond in the rough to you know, put your team off the top. And on top of that, as far as this goes, you're really looking who's going to hit the NFL, who's not. It's a lot to it. Yeah, it, uh, it it brings in such a uh, a bigger element and and a more of an element, a more involvement, which is what we always want. We want to be as realistic. We want it to feel like you're running an actual team without dealing with the personalities and the billions of dollars. Right. Does it feel yeah, like a that lot, for you? A lot more work. Oh, yeah. As far as the time put in, yeah, most definitely. Uh, I mean, I spend – there's some days I spend eight to ten hours just uh, studying up on players people's never heard of, you know? <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. Uh, I, and, trust uh, me, I know, you know the best that's chance like. they do hear of them. Exactly. Um so let's talk a little bit about uh, the National Football League. Um, I can't remember where you're located, but what's your who's your team in, in the NFL? I'm from Tennessee, but I'm a Cowboys fan, diehard. Ah, okay. So is Dak going oh, sure. crazily high in, in your drafts like he did in mine? Uh, I'll tell you this. I took him. <laughs> How high? I say like Dak's really a top five quarterback this year. Really? Uh, Top five quarterback? No, I think I – actually, he fell the 13th quarterback draft. Okay. Okay. But you think he can be a top five? I think Dak's a top five quarterback this season. 
Wow. Well, Michael uh, Irvin said the other say, day he thinks they can be the 72 Dolphins. I, I don't know if they're going undefeated, but Michael Irvin is really excited about Dak. Hey, that as as far as Cowboy fans go, that's every year. This is the year. We'll do this again next year, and I'm going to say it again. This is the year. <laughs> this is the year. So, as a Cowboys guy, are you... Like, with your baseball team, you have a GM. Are you Jerry Jones, or are you hands-off? He'd, he'd probably say I'm Jerry Jones. Yeah. I'd say so. Yeah. I think you I would think be Jerry it, Jones. But, uh, yeah, I imagine I would be. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got both feet in the door and an elbow and... We, well, we love it, man. We want guys that are passionate. Uh, we want to grow this thing. You know, the goal is to get the richest owners hiring the best fantasy players, build your resume, and, and dominate globally. So, Beavis, I'm glad you're in this league. You add a lot to it. Best of luck with the Reapers, uh, the Immortals, Scoville Ghost, uh, Battle Hounds, and Hydra as you continue, <laughs> and keeping your job and family uh, sane at the, at the same time. This has been a lot of fun, my man, and uh, I look forward uh, to the opportunity to do it again sometime. Thanks for having me, man. All right. There is Phil Beavis, a uh, great personality in Ultimate uh, Franchise Fantasy Sports. Um, Mooch says UCFFL is the biggest potential ROI for owners. We all got franchises for pennies and scouts, too. Uh, scouts are going to get some uh, return on their investment. Uh, in a big way uh, with college football, just like the Ultimate Fantasy World Juniors did. There was a lot of scouts that ended up getting um, some return, and, and it hasn't been paid out yet. It'll be paid out uh, when we do the uh, switch over. Um, but it, it, a lot of guys are going to get paid out as scouts before those guys. So those that's the thing we're looking at with UFFS is we start the pro league, and then the trickle-down, whether that's the AHL, college, junior, whatever it might be, so that if you have a player that you're a scout that, that you, you purchased or listed on the open market, you can get some return on your investment a little earlier until they get to pros. Football, they're there immediately. Baseball, hockey, they take forever. Well, not forever, but longer. Basketball, they're in instantly. So it's very different in a couple of different sports, and uh, it, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, Arnie says, good job, Beavis. Awesome to hear from you. And, uh, Tony says, says, nice work, Phil. Uh, yeah, I, I, like Phil is, uh, passionate. Uh, you know, that's certainly one thing and, and you need passion to be able to have something like UFFS. You can't have guys that are like not checking their lineup for 20 days or not responding to trade requests for 20 days. You have to have guys that are in it passionate as he spends eight hours sometimes a day looking at his uh, fantasy teams and everything else that goes with it. All right. That was a really fun conversation. When we return, we will have an open segment. We're going to get back into some of the top stories of uh, fantasy. Get into our top three, revisit re, uh, our top three, our question of the day, and top shelf fantasy performances of the night. Still to come, 
Dave Jameson of TSN 1260. We're going to talk legendary athletes. And our team-by-team preview brought to you by Dauber Hockey is the Arizona Coyotes today. So we'll take a look at the Coyotes who will be playing uh, at the Mullet Arena, no word of a lie, in front of about 50 fans. I'm not even sure they're going to be able to sell out a 5,000-seat arena, but we shall see. All right, this is Ultimate. Fantasy Sports Daily. My name is Dean Millard. You are watching the Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network. We'll be back in just a couple of seconds.
Let's keep this train rolling on. This is Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily. I gotta switch up what's on TV. Wow, the Americans knocking off the Canadians 5 2 in the Women's World Championship. Uh, by the way, this is the Marsh just outside of Edmonton. My name is Dean Millard, and welcome into UFSD on Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network here on Twitch. You may be watching us on YouTube on the replay, or you can find us in podcast format wherever you find your podcast. Just search for Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily. Uh, had a lot of fun with Phil Beavis on the program. He says, how did I look, gents? I freeze up on camera. I thought he sounded good. I thought it looked great. Everybody else says they look great. Even Mooch says Beavis. Arnie says, I enjoyed your personality. Great to see it shine through. And you may be right every once in a while, replies Mooch. So, But anyway. Ads pay the bills, Mooch. I don't know how to stop them, but they do uh, pay our bills. So something that we're going to have to live with a little bit. Uh, okay, let's talk about uh, some some cool things that happened last night. This is really, really awesome. Like, this is makes you think there is somebody up there pulling strings and all that stuff. Check this out. This legendary timing. So August 29th, 2001, Serena Williams wins at the U.S. Open, wins the match. Albert Pujols hits a home run. And big, bad Vlad the Impaler, Vlad Guerrero Sr., Craig Biggio, and Dante Bichette all record a hit. So you probably know where I'm going with this. Only two of the people from that 2001 night were still in action last night which is incredible, but this is wild. Well, you, you see it. August 29th, 2022. 19, or 21 years later. Wow. Serena Williams wins at the U.S. Open. Albert Pujols hits a home run. <laughs> and Vlad Guerrero Jr., Kevin Biggio, and Bo Bichette all record a hit. That there's got to be somebody pulling those strings, man. What do they call that? Is it is that is that serendipity? I don't know. That's a movie. I know Trish likes that movie. My wife. I don't know. That's just it's just a crazy, wild coincidence. Now, is there? Is there such a thing as a coincidence? That's awesome. Like, the, the, the fact that that all happened in that span is crazy. Is really, really wild. And it's the neat thing about sports and history. I love it. Arnie says, did you see that Sam Steele went to the wild? Yeah, I saw two minor signings in the, in the NHL today. Uh, Steele signs with the Wild and Kale Flurry signing with uh, Seattle. Both of those guys are, I don't know, fringe guys. I thought Sam Steele was going to be a much better player. I mean, 
The year of the NHL lockout, Sam Steele and Tyler Benson went bananas in the Alberta uh, Bantam League, breaking all kinds of records. And everybody thought they were both going to be stars. Benson ran into injuries. I'm not sure what's uh, been the drawback or the, the stopping point for Sam Steele. I think they're fringe guys, but Sam Steele with a, a new location, like, you know, Anaheim's great. I'm sure he wished he could have stayed there, but he might have a, uh, maybe just get some more of opportunity. I don't know if it's an easier time breaking into the top six. I don't even know if he is a top six player. He hasn't shown it. He has top six skill. There's no doubt about that. But for whatever reason, he hasn't been able to uh, apply it. And Kale Fleury, another guy who uh, probably, you know, uh, two, two good Western Hockey Leaguers, but both probably uh, more so in the uh, National Hockey League, or in the American Hockey League. Okay, so we talked a little bit about some roster cuts. Justin Verlander last night uh, to, uh, left the game with a calf issue, and now he's on the 15-day IL. That's not good. That's really not good for those uh, in UFLB trying to make a uh, playoff push. Let's see. Uh, Verlander is owned in. Uh, oh, my computer is freezing up a little bit. But this is like Justin Verlander has turned back the clock this year. I think he had a 1.87 ERA going into his last start uh, with uh, with Houston. I don't know. It's it's been it's been excellent. Um, for, for him. And so last night, it was mostly the hitters that did any kind of damage. Tyler O'Neill, uh, two long balls for the St. Louis Cardinals who just keep rolling. You know, I, I know Beavis said earlier that the uh, he thinks the Yankees are going to win the World Series. I, I, I'm liking the St. Louis Cardinals. The way Paul Goldschmidt is playing... You know, Tyler O'Neill is not an a old player, but Albert Pujols is chipping in. We'll get to him in a second. Home run last night. Tyler O'Neill, couple of long balls last night, three RBIs. I like the Cubby, or I like the, uh, the Cardinals. On the season, he only has 12 homers and 53 RBIs, but I, I don't know. I, I like St. Louis. I like their chances. Especially if uh, Goldschmidt. I mean, if Albert, if if Aaron Judge can drag a team along, then so can Paul Goldschmidt. Judge, by the way, last night hit another home run, so he's heating up again. Had 36 May, June, and July, and has had I think like six in his last 10 games or something like that. Uh, anyway, a home run, an RBI, and uh, and like he gets a couple of walks. I mean, why are p- people pitching to him? Especially, why are you throwing fastballs? Is it an ego thing? Don't throw fastballs to Aaron Judge. And the guy I wanted to talk about was Albert Pujols. 12 points last night. As we regarded, I said earlier, a home run, two RBIs. He also drew a walk, 1.85 OPS. Albert Pujols at 42 is awesome. Two for four with a home run last night. He's got 15 home runs on the season. He had 17 last year combined with L.A. I mean, I, I don't know if uh, 
Oh yeah, he's on the. I think he's on the Wheat Sox. I'm not. I'm not sure actually. Um, oh, here he's on the Sluggers. So if the Sluggers aren't going to the playoffs, Albert Pujols would be a nice sleeper pick in your playoff pool. I don't know. I I would look into that. I think Albert Pujols uh, can do some damage. Certainly, I think Albert Pujols can do some damage in the playoffs, whether it's off the bench or not. Uh, so those are some of the big nights. There wasn't a lot of great pitching nights. It was a, it was a lighter night. Uh, last night, for me, was, was all about uh, watching the U.S. Open. Now, Venus Williams is in action at the, uh, at the U.S. Open. If you want to check that out, uh, that's on uh, TSN. But again, this is incredible. Serena wins. Pujols hits a home run. And then Guerrero Jr., Biggio, and Bichette get hits. And then the three kids and Pujols is still around along with Serena Williams. I don't know how else you explain stuff like that other than somebody is pulling strings. I don't like to believe in sports gods, but somebody has to pull strings to make that happen. I, I don't get it. As for Serena last night at the U.S. Open, she, uh, she, she started a little bit slow. It was weird. They had this, like, her opponent had to sit there and, and watch, like, almost like 15 minutes of intros. And then after she made quick work of her opponent, just a wild post-game celebration. I guess in case she lost... But I don't know, could, couldn't you have brought her back later? Or, or maybe the, all the people, like Billie Jean King came out last night. She's always going to be there. I guess maybe Gail King, who hosted it, couldn't be there. She could only be there one day. Okay, I, I guess that. But Oprah did like a, a taped message or something. So I just don't know. I, I was thinking, like, could they have not have waited until she lost? Or just say on the Saturday night after the women's final, we're going to honor Serena. It seemed weird to do it last night and kind of cram it in. And, but I cannot wait until we have tennis on UFFS. Like fantasy tennis would be brilliant. And particular, Legends League tennis. I was a huge Chris Everett, Boris Becker fan as a kid. So I would love to get uh, fantasy tennis going on the platform. I hope somebody gets it going uh, at some point on the platform. That would be terrific. Uh, I'm going to take another look at some uh, NFL cuts. Uh, we'll run uh, through those uh, a little bit later on in the show. Our uh, NHL team preview today is the Arizona Coyotes, who I don't think anybody expects to do anything, even sell out in a 5,000-seat arena. And Dave Jameson is going to be joining me at 3 o'clock today, and we're going to talk about legendary performers. So that's uh, still what is to come on the program today. And speaking of uh, fantasy sports where there's individuals, fantasy golf has some interesting stuff going on because six more players jumped to live from the PGA today, including the world's number two golfer and one of the hottest golfers around, Cameron Smith. Cameron Tringale, Harold Varner III, Mark Leishman, who we uh, saw over here a few years ago, uh, Anurban Lahiri, 
apologies, and Nokeem Neiman, who played on the President's Cup with Smith. So this is not over yet, despite... And this is... You know what the interesting thing is? I think it was Neiman attended the players-only meeting last week and then still decided to leave. And how about this? Is this salt in the wound for the PGA? Cameron Smith was the winner of the PGA Championship, the tour's flagship event. And he's now leaving after weeks and weeks of speculation. He has six tour wins, and he also he won the Open Championship. And everybody thought for sure he was going to announce then that he was leaving. But nope. Today, along with five others. So listen, I know the PGA is making changes. That's great. That's awesome. Is it going to be enough, though? The signing bonus that these guys are getting is incredibly high. I don't know if it's going to be enough to keep them all around. I don't know. I eventually want to see a um, head-to-head. you got to have a head-to-head. Not right now because the PGA would still crush them, but give some time. Give it a little bit of time, and then we'll see if we can get some kind of real cool rivalry going between these two, like an actual rivalry of hatred. I think that would be cool. Uh, As something I mentioned earlier, Justin Verlander, the right-handed ace of the Astros, left his start with Baltimore uh, on Sunday night because of a calf discomfort. We told you about that yesterday. Today they placed him on the injured list. Also, Hunter Brown uh, being added to the uh, taxi squad. Now, uh, about the injury to Verlander, the diagnosis is, quote, relatively good news, and the expectation is it's a short-term injury. That's just tough, right? You're, You're going into the most important time of the fantasy season. If you're in regular fantasy, you're going into the playoffs. If you're in ultimate fantasy league baseball, you're getting ready uh, for the playoffs, and you might not have one of your MVPs. It sucks. It sucks. And it's the, the, you're at the mercy of obviously, if you believe in fantasy gods or, you know, GMs making decisions and things like that. But when you get down to the most important time, especially in baseball, 162 games, and then you might not have Verlander, let's hope he is healthy. You know, let's hope Clayton Kershaw returns very soon. For the L.A. Dodgers and a lot of fantasy teams out there that that need him. There's some pretty important players that are banged up right now that need to get back. You know, anybody that had, it's not an injury, but anybody that had Tatis Jr., you're screwed now. And it's the luck, the lady luck of fantasy. She either smiles on you or slams the door in your face. Last year, she invited me in. Don't tell my wife, Trish. And I won my fantasy football league. A couple years before that, she invited me in. I won a different fantasy football league. Also that same year, she invited me in twice. I won a hockey league. We'll see. Sometimes, though, she slams the door in my face. Most of the time, she has slammed. It's like 22 Acacia Avenue from Iron Maiden. Just tell her you know me, and maybe you'll get it for free. Fantasy advice I'm talking about. Okay, Dave Jameson, my good friend, is on the other side of this short break. Uh, Him and I are going to talk 
about legacies and just what Serena Williams' legacy is compared to some other athletes. Uh, Dave's watched a lot of sports. He saw the great one from a different vantage point, not just from in Edmonton. He got it from Vancouver. So we'll talk about legacies when it comes to athletes, and we'll see what else uh, we can get up to with Mr. Dave Jameson. This is Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily, heard right here on Twitch, Monday to Friday, 4 to 6 Eastern, twitch.tv slash ultimate fantasy sports we're back right away
second hour of Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily rolling on just outside of uh, Edmonton. My name is Dean Millard, and thank you very much for tuning in uh, to UFSD here on our Twitch channel. Uh, we appreciate everything. If you missed Phil Beavis uh, from earlier today, this will be posted on YouTube, and uh, you can find the audio version wherever uh, you find your favorite podcast in whatever format you would like. All right. My next guest is a good friend of mine, uh, Mr. Dave Jameson. And uh, Dave, I, I'm not going to ask you how you are doing because you taught me that yeah. when we worked together not to do that. Yeah. But I am going to say uh, it is absolutely wonderful uh, to see you again and hear you back on uh, the air. You know uh, our history uh, with that dreadful yes. disease, and, and I know you're uh, going through uh, and beating it. So it's great to see you, Dave. Uh, Dean, you know what? I'll waive my opposition to the how are you uh, question because, uh, first of all, thank you for asking. And uh, and you and uh, your wonderful wife, Trisha, have been a real uh, – you helped me get off on the right foot on all of this and get my head straight uh, before I got into all of this. And uh, it's been a very long year. There's lots more work to do. Um, but I, And I can't call myself cancer-free yet, so I – I say I'm working on it, and uh, we're going to continue to work. But it's uh, it's it's certainly I've learned a lot about myself, and you know, um, and I've I count my blessings for all the help I've had along the way. Uh, indeed, uh, and and certainly you have a lot of uh, supporters uh, helping you out. So you can hear Dave ten till two. So how does that work now with with yeah. you and and Low Tide and and Matthew and the whole dynamic yeah. of of, uh, you know, going for, and, and kind of a serious question, going from hosting your own show yeah. to being in a, in a yeah. bit of a, a group dynamic has, has been quite fun. It, you know what, it, it's a really good challenge, Dean. Um, you know, Low Tide has skills that I can't, you know, even imagine or approach to have, uh, or, you know, in terms of his hockey knowledge, his depth of knowledge in that sport particularly. And I think working together with a guy who's my age, we've been in the business roughly the same amount of time, um, forces me to, I think, be a little sharper um, in my questioning and probably um, not not just questioning of guests, but also just kind of how I interact with him. And then it brings out a different dynamic in Matthew. And so, you know, when you, you we did, you know, I did a show solo or with Matthew for God, almost eight years and um, to come back after my illness and then get right into doing something brand new was you know, it took a lot out of me physically because I'm, you know, still recovering and I was still having, you know, trouble speaking and all of that. But it really, you know, I think it was very good on a, on a personal health level to, you know, uh, move along my recovery. But also, you know, as a broadcaster, you know, you got to take yourself out of comfort zones, Dean, and, and put yourself in places where, you know, at first blush, you might think, oh, I don't know about this. Well, you know what? Get in there. And, um, I, you know, the early returns, and if our boss likes it, I'll, I'll go with that. And, uh, you know, the audience has uh, warmed to the two of us together. And I think now we've got, a good, um, we've got a good rapport amongst the three of us. So, yeah, I, I hope we get many more years of it. Yeah, well, uh, if you're getting some welcomes on the uh, Twitch chat, uh, Tony says, welcome Aww. to the show, Dave. It's, uh, it's great to see you, and, and it's great to hear you guys on the air uh, again. Um, th I wanted to talk with you about uh, kind of legacies. I mean, we're, we're seeing the, yeah. the, the farewell to Serena Williams, which I thought was really weird because they had this big, like, if she would have lost, I guess they have to do it then. Oh. But it's... You know, when, when we talk about legends or, or goats, that kind of overused term in sports, sure. 
I put her in a list with men and women. And I, I, I think my most favorite interview was somebody said to her, you're one of the greatest women's athletes. And she said, I prefer just athletes. Like, I think, I think we're seeing not obviously power in sports. Uh, men are, are just genetically bigger. She is one of the most powerful athletes I've ever seen in my life. Oh, without question. I'm glad you started there, Dean, by saying, you know, greatest of all time athletically and didn't have to, you know, parse it by gender. Um, you know, you look at the numbers and just the raw numbers of what she's done is is overwhelming. You know, the singles uh, titles, the doubles titles, the Olympic gold and all of what she's done off the court, you know, for there, there have been obviously great tennis players, many before her, and there will be many others who come after her. But I don't know, Dean, if you're going to see some uh, an individual, now granted her sister Venus is part of this story too, but someone with that on-court excellence over such a long span of time when the game itself was changing. I mean, they all do more or less over time. But she was powerful before raw power was a thing in, in, in women's tennis, certainly. And, and now, you know, she really, she established what it meant to be great. And then off the court, what she's done as a, as a business person, uh, a mother having a child um, with, you know, reportedly, uh, you know, would like to have more. And all of what she's done as a, as a human and, you know, we're all better for it, for having experienced her on the court. A hundred percent. You know, and, and I, I, I just, I look at, uh, I, and I haven't watched uh, King Richard yet. I, I really do want to watch that movie and, and just see, because it really sounds like you, when you watch the video, somebody asked her, who do you want to be like? And she says, I want people to be like me. Like they knew at nine years old and, you know, growing up in Compton as, and, you know, so you worked with a lot of football players that came from that area that is an, a, not an easy area to escape from and become one of the nope. greatest of all time. To be able to think that at that age is probably what propelled her along with some terrific skill. Oh, I, I, absolutely. It would be as much... Uh, mental uh, strength as it would be, you know, physical strength, Dean, to get through that kind of, um, you know, growing up in that environment. And you're right. I mean, you and I both know a number of, you know, a good friend of ours, Ed Hervey, uh, comes from there. And, and, you know, there are a lot of football players who come out of there, basketball players who come out of Compton, not very many tennis players. I can't imagine there are, you know, a large number of tennis courts in that particular area of Los Angeles. Um, so to do what she did, how she did it with her father, obviously being an incredibly strong figure, you know, as many would call him overbearing and mm-hmm. controlling and all the other, whatever else you might want to, uh, words you may want to apply to him. But the finished product, I mean, she is, um, you know, there have been outbursts on court, obviously, and, and those are well documented. But I think at the end of the day, you know, when as she ages and she, you know, has gone through life and having a, a child now and being married and all of those things, I mean, Venus Williams is, you know, uh, I'm not going to pretend that I know her on a personal level because, you know, that would only be for the inner circle. But I, I, I get the feeling she's really sort of, you know, she used the term, she's not retiring, she's evolving. She has evolved into a, um, a really complete person, not just someone who's really good at playing tennis. And we don't always see that. 
with athletes. Like some athletes, when they're done, they're like, I am gone. And like Tim Lincecum, like he's in the woods somewhere. Nobody knows where that guy is. And there's others that, that really embrace it. And, and when we talk about that goat term, here's my top three of all sports. Um, you know, Wayne Gretzky, you know, we both watched his magic and I put Serena in there, uh, you know, you know, ahead, right along, whatever you might think of Tom Brady, because when you look at three, these three athletes and Craig Button, he explains this really well all the time when we talk about, you know, to be the best, it's how much better are you than your peers? And we remember Gretzky's assists and points getting separated in pools and, you know, Mario might've got there if he would have been healthy, but to be not right. just the greatest of your sport, the greatest of all time, I think longevity plays a big part, and that's why Serena Williams and Tom Brady are on my list. And and they should be on your list, Dean, and they and they're on my list as well. I mean, they are they they are sport defining individuals, and you know, Serena's in an individual sport. I mean, with the exception when she plays doubles, but but tennis is a lonely sport. It really is. And, and here, you know, I, Howard Bryant, who's a brilliant writer, has written on Serena's um, retirement. And, and you know, it, he's not the first to say tennis is boxing without the gloves. I mean, you were out there, no timeouts, nobody to help you. And it's you, you against the other woman, you against the other man. And so, you know, I think that, you know, when I think of goats, Dean, um, I think of not just the, the, the titles. I mean, those are one of the the metrics you use to measure greatness, but did you define the era or eras in Serena's case that you played in? And I think with those names that you've, you know, laid out there, and I'm sure you could, your list could go longer. Did that individual man or woman define what that sport was over, you know, 10, 15, 20, or in some cases longer than that. And I, Serena fits that Brady fits that, um, you know, was Tom Brady the most elegant, um, you know, creative quarterback to ever play the position. No, I think that, the, you know, Mahomes now would win, you know, on an artistic scale, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about somebody who has through, you know, their talent and, and effort and mental strength and all the other things that go into it. Um, you know, when those three you've laid out there would be on mine. And if I were going into boxing, I would, I would put Ali on there. Uh, you know, uh, for obviously what he did in the ring, but also his impact out of it. Uh, Nick T VIP says Tiger Woods could be on that goat list. He could yep. if if he wouldn't have fallen so far. I mean, you mm-hmm. look at these three people, and what are the worst things that you can say about Wayne Gretzky that he that they called the New Jersey Devils a Mickey Mouse franchise because they left Ron Lowe in net all night? Uh, you know, Serena Williams, Tom Brady, the the deflated balls maybe, and like Tiger Woods to me is the second greatest golfer of all time, and he's been legendary, but he also has mm-hmm. you know um, has had some 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 major issues in his legacy. And and that's what we're talking about is a legacy is more than just on the field, ice or court. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you know, it's, it's, um, you know, and you do have to separate it, Dean, like any human being there, there are layers to them and Tiger will, would certainly is that, and has that, um, you know, all of his misdeeds and mistakes and, and you know, failings are, are, are public record and they've been talked about a lot. And, you know, frankly, given who he is and his stature in, in sports and entertainment, um, you know, they should be on a level discussed. But, you know, you could also, you know, Tiger Woods could sit comfortably on that list because, again, you know, I go back to, you know, did you define a sport in the era in which you played or were you, when you were at your best? And you and I both know, Dean, how many people 
picked up the sport after seeing Tiger in a red mm-hmm. shirt on a Sunday. You know, who they they were drawn to the sport by his talent, by his, you know, personality, uh, if you will. And, and, you know, I would suggest, I mean, look what Gretzky did for hockey in the United States. The Los Angeles Kings have been around since 1967, Dean, but they were irrelevant. He shows up, and then hockey, all of a sudden, they're building ice rinks in California. Man, that's impact. You know, over and above goals, assists, Stanley Cups, and all that stuff. You actually helped build your sport. Not many can say that. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I know you are a huge California Golden Seals fan <laughs> as well. Um, and, yes. and if they couldn't do it, Gretzky, I guess, could. But you saw Gretzky from a, a kind of a yeah. different lens than certainly. Look, I was a kid in Brandon, Manitoba, who was an Andy Moog fan. And then this Gretzky guy sure. was just along for the ride. You were a Canucks fan. So young Dave, I'm guessing, didn't like the, Wayne Gretzky all that much. Young, young Dave Jameson. Well, I need to clarify, I will always be a Seals fan. That's right. And thank goodness the San Jose Sharks are going to bring back their their colors and, and at least on some level, uh, bring that glorious era back to life. Um, now, my experience watching Gretzky, and I grew up in Vancouver, and so I was out there for 31 years. Now, I'm a lot older than you, Dean, so I, you know, I go back to, you know, before Gretzky, like Gretzky Indianapolis Racer. Right. And then when they get to the NHL, or he comes to Edmonton, and then they join the NHL. I'm in Vancouver watching the Oilers come in. And usually, you know, they were coming in either after having just played Calgary. um, So they may not have been in a great mood. And they would lay waste to the Canucks. And God love the Canucks in all of their forms and all of their silly jerseys. So I got to see sort of this traveling roadshow of the Edmonton Oilers come into Vancouver at the Coliseum. And it was awe-inspiring. And not just Gretzky. I mean, obviously, you know, all eyes are on him. But when they were at their, you know, fully most evolved and, and it was an, it was a, you know, a hockey sort of killing machine. They would just come in and, and the Canucks were more than happy to uh, oblige in taking a beating. The Canucks were just like dumbly on their yeah. way, loading into the truck, off to the slaughterhouse and Richard Berter would get exactly. lit up and, you know. Sure. That, that's that's what it was, yeah. It, it was, and for yeah. me, as, as an Oilers fan, I was like, I loved it. I'm like, oh, they're just beating up on all these teams and everything. But, you, like, not to get too nostalgic, that Smythe division was, you know, a, a decade of dominance as opposed to the decade of darkness that we had here in Edmonton. Exactly. The Smythe was theirs for the taking. You could sometimes provide some resistance some nights, but largely it was done by night one of the regular season. You knew where it was going to go. I like uh, my favorite thing about the California Golden Seals is they used to paint the skates white and they got so heavy that they didn't realize they put lead paint on skates. Dean, they're, and God, I'm embarrassed. I know so much about this team. And one of my hockey coaches at the University of British Columbia one summer was Ted McAneely, who played. And, of course, he comes out, and, you know, we're all on the ice. You know, here comes this NHLer. And, of course, he's got the white skates and the yellow and green gloves, and we just thought it was the coolest thing. But, yeah, they had matching green luggage, too. Uh, they had every, like, it was as ridiculous and campy as you would imagine and uh, and a whole lot of fun. And, and I have no idea, you know how, it, fan loyalty doesn't make sense sometimes. And yeah. certainly there were a lot better hockey teams that I could have, you know, put my energy into, but I chose those guys just because they look cool uh, or silly. And uh, they were my team and I knew no one else wanted them. 
Awesome. Uh, I don't know how much fantasy you play, but I want to ask you just an Oilers sort of fantasy sure. question. Besides Dryside okay. and McDavid, who are the obvious, who do you think the yeah. next most important fantasy player would be on the Oilers roster as it is now? Not not including getting Patrick Kane, maybe, but you know, just when you look at after those two guys, who's the who's the next? I'm going to go with Evan. I'm going to go Evan Bouchard, and that oh, may surprise yeah. you, given given you know that he's not a forward. Um, just, you know, Dean having at least a sense, you know, of what the, the, the role he'll play and the level of importance he now has in the organization, I'd be inclined to go there. I mean, I could have, you know, as you said, Kane, and, you know, you probably, and I noticed you said Evander Kane, not Patrick Kane, because we're That's not right. there yet. Um, but, you know, you, you could also maybe, you know, go with Nuge, but I don't think so. I, and for me, it would be Evan Bouchard. Okay, well, I, I think that's a, a good choice, and, and I think they've got some decisions to make, obviously, uh, because oh. they have some redundant players, obviously, and, and they need some, yeah. uh, some, some cap space for sure. Uh, okay, Dave, I yeah. cannot let you go. You uh, worked sure. with uh, then Edmonton Eskimos, now Edmonton Elks, for many years. There is a very famous, I, I kind of paraphrased this story the other day about a training yeah. camp incident. You tell this story so good. Can you tell the story about the gentleman who was kicked out and then returned with something at a practice one day? No, absolutely. Uh, so we were, um, actually was in season, and and this player was, uh, his name was Xavier Jackson, was not in Edmonton long. You know, you can look him up at, we'll say, Edmonton Eskimo. So we're at practice one day at Clark Stadium, which is adjacent to Commonwealth. And um, he, Xavier was a defensive lineman, and Aaron Fiaconi was a very tough uh, offensive lineman. And they, you know, as those guys are one to do back when you had contact practices, they got locked up on a couple of drills. And things started to overheat, and the next thing you know, they're in a fight. Now, Xavier, who I think was also from Compton, just, you know, the helmets come off. And Aaron Fiaconi, who is from Sudbury and used to bounce in bars in Sudbury. And Dean, you probably have an idea of what that might look like on a Saturday night in Sudbury. As Tom, so Tom said. Knows, thank you. And as Aaron knows, um, if there's no tie-down strap, you grab the shirt and you pull it over the head, as we do in Canada. Well... I, our friend Xavier, I maybe never had the lights out move pulled. So the jersey comes up over his head, and Aaron Fiaconi starts the lawnmower, and he is raining down blows, and it's fast, and it's over. Well, Xavier gets up. He's a huge dude, and he's, you know, looking for somebody, and he, he walks off the field very slowly with purpose and goes behind. There's a large dumpster right beside a practice field. And Ed Hervey, who was our scout at the time, turns and says, oh, he's coming back with something. And <laughs> we turn around, and he's grabbed a shovel from behind. You know, one of the work crews had left, and he drags it across the asphalt, and you could just oh. hear it bouncing, you know, making that to click, 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 click sound. And before, like, people can kind of go, what? Whoa, whoa, you know, like, hold on a minute. Yeah, you had a fight, you got beat up, but we're not going to start pulling shovels out here. We're a pro football team. Well, it's funny, and Annie, cooler heads prevail, and we all thought, well, he's going to get cut. Yeah. Like, I mean, you, you send him to the dressing room and you give him the CFL Samsonite, which is a garbage bag, and he is gone. Like, somebody get him in a minivan and drive yeah. him to the airport. Well, he ends up staying on the team. 
which was always baffling to all of us. But the story made itself into, you know, wire service picked it up. Somehow it's down in LA. And somebody phones Ed Hervey and goes, what is, like, what is going on up there? You've got guys grabbing shovels, fighting at practice. And, you know, what, what, like, what, what league is, you know, what is that up there? And it's like, well, you know, sometimes in Canada, right? You know, if we can't get our hands on a hockey stick, <laughs> you know. I mean. You grab what you can get, Dean. The sound of him dragging it would have been like, what the hell? Like, this is like out of a horror movie, right? Like the chink, chink, chink. Like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, God. Yeah. And and th- that's, that's like one of the many stories that you have, Dave. And I know uh, they're all funny. And I know people will uh, will get a, a kick out of that one. Thankfully, nobody got hurt. Uh, and and nope. that was the main thing. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Dave, thanks so much uh, for being a part of the show today. Uh, I always appreciate getting a chance to chat with you and catch up with you. I'm so thrilled uh, that you're feeling better on the way uh, to beating this. And uh, certainly uh, we're all behind you and and everybody around here is behind you as well. Thanks so much, Dean. Great to see you and talk with you again. All right. There you go. Dave Jameson from TSN 1260. You can hear him. Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to noon, along with Low Tide and my good friend Matthew Awanek. And Larry Fisher chiming in saying, great to have Dave on, very insightful guest. He is. I, I One of my favorite things about working at TSN is, you know, well, A, I, I was a night guy, so I was only there till 7. But if I ever had to go in for something during the day, I would just sit down, chat with Dave and Matt at their desk, and we'd get into some really good conversations. And it would often spark a topic for a show. So that's kind of the first guy I thought of when I thought about talking about legacies. Um, so I don't know. Nick brought up a good point about Tiger Woods. I, I truly feel legacies are built on and off the court. I mean, Lawrence Taylor shouldn't be a mentor for anybody except somebody who wants to be a good lineman. Okay? Like, that's that's the way it is. You know, Tiger Woods should be a mentor for great golfer and how to turn your career around after a complete meltdown. Michael Vick turned his career around after a meltdown. But it's legacy, and it counts. And off the court counts as much as on the court for me. All right. That is going to wrap up that segment so much fun to have dave on the show uh i, I absolutely love chatting with him and those uh, those those times i really miss at tsn 12 don't i really don't miss the midnight saturday nights doing the post game show when the uh oilers power play went uh oh for five or anything like that those are the nights i do not miss but i certainly do miss the people uh, that i got a chance to work with okay our nhl preview uh we're doing arizona should be a quick one uh they're playing in the smallest arena, a pro team. I'm imagining, like, I can't imagine what the NHL still thinks the Arizona, or why the NHL still thinks the Arizona Coyotes are working. It's beyond, like, there's got to be some kind of pictures of somebody. It's weird. Makes zero sense. Okay. I'm getting a drink of water. We'll be back to talk a little bit of the Coyotes and much more. This is Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily on twitch.tv slash ultimate fantasy sports.
All right, working our way towards 6 p.m. Eastern today here on Ultimate Fantasy Sports. Twitch.tv slash Ultimate Fantasy Sports. My name is Dean Millard. Welcome into the marsh just outside of uh, St. Albert, just outside, or just outside of Edmonton, rather. You can hear this show Monday to Friday, 4 to 6 Eastern. Sundays at 11 a.m. Eastern, we will have Ultimate Fantasy Football with Andy McNamara right here. Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, UFHL Now will take place, and then a watch party when the season gets started. And starting this Sunday, Inside UFLB will return to the airwaves. Uh, we will have the show at four or uh, 6 p.m. Eastern, and then we will have a watch party for the Dodgers-Padres. How about that? First watch party, and I didn't even plan it that way. First watch party. Dodgers, Padres. I'm not saying the Padres aren't going to be an easy out in the playoffs, but they're like 20 games back. So they're definitely playing for the wild card in that regard. All right. uh, So great thanks to Dave Jameson, who joined us uh, previously to discuss uh, legacies, star athletes, and more. And it's time now to bring in our next team-by-team preview. Brought to you by Dauber Hockey. And uh, thank you very much for uh, tuning in on our Twitch channel. Please, please drop a message into the board. Tell us, uh, tell me where you're watching from, who you are, what you're interested in, what you would like us to talk about. You know, we're here for you. We definitely want to talk about what you want to hear. So if you have some questions for our guests or or anything else, uh, we'd love to hear all of that. All right, let's get to the... Coyotes, the Desert Dogs, the X-Jets, as I like to call them. I'll turn the uh, ticker off for just a second. But when when you're looking at the Arizona Coyotes, um, it's not exciting. I mean, yesterday I said the the Anaheim Ducks are not uh, a team that you should be looking at as a potential playoff team. But that there are a lot of uh, potential stars on the Ducks that could win your fantasy team or your fantasy league. Now, is that the same with the Coyotes, the X-Jets, as they say? I'm not quite sure. So Clayton Keller, star, Nick Schmaltz, uh, at times has been an absolute stud. And Jacob Chikrin on the blue line. The reason Jacob Tr- Chikrin is in there is because he's probably getting traded to a better organization. But, the, you know, when, when I look at the Coyotes, they don't have Phil Kessel anymore. So that's, uh, I think he had like 48 points last year. I don't know if he led the team. 52 points, sorry, 44 assists. So your third leading scorer is gone. Your top two are back in uh, Keller and Schmaltz. Um, They both averaged around 60 points last year. Keller with 63, 28 goals, and Schmaltz with 59 points, 23 goals. And Jacob Chikrin only played 47 games, but he had 21 points. I don't know. don't, Don't get me wrong. There's a couple of Coyotes. Keller you should be looking at for sure. And, and I know there are uh, franchises uh, 
uh, in the UFHL, like the Generals, that are going to love Clayton Keller's contribution. Is he going to be a first line on the Generals fantasy? Uh, I don't know yet. Uh, but I know Ian Constable and the Stallions like Nick Schmaltz. I loved Schmaltz last year in my other, or the last time I was in a different fantasy league. Kind of a streaky player. Uh, the Royals love Jacob Chikrin in UFHL. They just want him to get traded to a better organization, I'm sure. I, like, I'm sure that's what they are thinking. And my breakout player is Barrett Hayden. Now, Barrett Hayden... I don't even know, has Barrett Hayden been in the league for three years, four years? Three years. But he's never played a full season. He played 20 games, 14 games. He played 60 games last year. So at least it's it's a bit of a start. I think Barrett Hayden's going to be a breakout player this year in fantasy. Now, temper those expectations because he's in Arizona. But still, like there are some good players, but just not enough of them. Like, I look at Anaheim, and the, uh, first of all, the players are more skilled, in my opinion, and there's more of them. Lawson Krause is a 20-goal scorer. Can he repeat that? I don't think he's going to repeat that. Not in Arizona. I Maybe because there's, I don't know. Shane Gostaspare was a guy I was going to look at as a sleeper, but he was third with 51 points. I, people don't like Shane Gostaspare. I don't mind him. As long as he's not your number one defenseman. The sleeper I'm looking at is Troy Stetcher. You know, I I watched Troy Stetcher in the playoffs last year. I was pretty impressed. I thought Troy Stetcher had a pretty good season last year when he got into the uh, lineup for the LA Kings and actually helped them. I know he didn't play a lot. Split... uh, last year between uh, Detroit and and L.A. But I think Troy Stetcher on a third pairing and some power play time could be a fantasy sleeper in Arizona. I don't know. Do you think I'm out of whack? Do you think I'm crazy for thinking Troy Stetcher can do some damage on an Arizona power play? So there's the lines, by the way, that Puckpedia has. Here is what Dauber Hockey is going with. And, and you want to ch- check out the Dauber Hockey guide, uh, check it out at DauberHockey.com. But Clayton Keller, Hayden, and Schmaltz, they have as their top line. Kraus Smith, Christian Fisher, Boyd, Nick Ritchie, Zach Cassian. See, I think that Gostas Bear Stetcher pairing one of those guys is going to get some points. And one of the Gosses Bears is going to get some power play time. Stetcher might get second power play time. Arnie chimes in, says, Chitrin is a player I really like. However, Ghost Bear is probably the better player from the Arizona fantasy perspective, as he is certainly favored unless the coach gets forced to build up Chitrin's trade value. That's that's probably right now. Because Gosses Bear is getting a lot of the power play time. 51 points last year for Shane Gostaspare. Chikrin is a better all-around player, and if Chikrin's on a better team, I think he's the better fantasy player. 
Arnie says, watched Stetcher a lot in Vancouver. I really liked his game. It was solidly complimentary. And I thought when he got into the lineup in the playoffs last year for L.A., he did some damage against it. I think he scored a goal. He was pretty good. So that's my uh, outlook for the Coyotes. The top three stars, Keller, Schmaltz, Jacob Chikrin. And I, I think Chikrin on a different team is better than Goss Despair. But Arnie makes a point that unless Chikrin starts getting a lot more playing time, I, I also think Jacob Chikrin could could um, develop a lot more offensively too. Shane Gostaspare is good, but he does cost you games with some defensive mistakes. Chikrin had 21 points in 47 games last year. So it's almost, you know, prorated. It's just below a 40-point season. Gostaspare had 14 goals. So he is the, the offensive guy. But I think Chikrin... Jacob Chitrin is a candidate to get traded. So that's why I would, if I'm in a draft, I'm taking Chitrin higher than Gostaspare because I think he's going to get traded to a different team. You might think I have a terrible philosophy, but that's what I'm going with. That's my story, and I'm sticking with it, as they say. So Clayton Keller, Nick Schmaltz, Jacob Chitrin. Barrett Hayden as the breakout player and Troy Stetcher as the sleeper. And then, you know, depending on who you want to look at for lines, these are the lines from uh, Puckpedia. They could be fairly old. The interesting thing for me um, with uh, Arizona is what's going to happen in goal. The Arizona Coyotes had a bunch of goalies at one point. And they're all gone. And and now you're going in with Vilmeca. Vil, Vil, <laughs> Let me try that again. Carl Vilmeca, John Gillies, and Prosvitov. I don't know. There's a definite reason why the Coyotes aren't making the playoffs, but that is not a, uh, that's not really an exciting uh, goaltending prospect. So that's why, just like the Ducks, the Coyotes are a better team for fantasy than they are for regular season, but they're not nearly as good as the Anaheim Ducks. And they're playing in a 5,000-seat arena which is maybe the most embarrassing thing about the Coyotes' 20-plus tenure in the desert. I mean, you rip them away from Winnipeg, and 20 years later, they're playing in a 5,000-seat arena for many years? Like, their new arena hasn't started building. And it's called the Mullet Arena. Could things be even more embarrassing for the NHL with the Arizona Coyotes? Like, when the NHL goes to, like, the, uh, the big party, you know, the NFL is there, NBA. Dude, does the NHL be like, hey, Arizona, can you go park the car? Embarrassing. Arnie says, Chitrin has so many shots on goal. He is quite a multi-cat beast, especially if you're in a cap league. Yeah, he, that helps too. Uh, the fact that uh, the paycheck and the cap hit is uh, definitely a lot more tolerable. All right, uh, time for another quick short break here on Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily. When we come back, we'll get into games to watch and our fake locker room sound that just came into us from the women's 
World Hockey Championship. This is UFSD. We're back into. Segment Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily. Thanks very much for joining us on the program today. Uh, if you missed any of it earlier, we had Phil Beavis, who is a five. Uh, he's, he's involved with five different franchises in Ultimate uh, Franchise Fantasy Sports. Uh, so we talked to him mostly about the Otani and uh, Aaron Judge debate going on right now. Um, within our group, anyway, about uh, who should be the MVP. Also, we had Dave Jameson of TSN 1260 Radio on the show, one of my good friends. So happy for Dave uh, that he's on the road to uh, recovery. Uh, We talked to him about legacy. I'm I'm watching Venus Williams uh, get interviewed right now after her winning match today at the U.S. Open. Serena's match last night was quick, uh, but the pomp and circumstance was um, amazing, and rightfully so. Uh, we, we, we really got into it about legends, uh, and then we got into a little bit of Gretzky and an Euler talk. And you might be surprised about who Dave would suggest after McDavid Dreisaitl from a fantasy perspective. Really, really cool uh, choice, so I like that. Um, last thing we're going to get to, uh, or last couple of things we are going to get to, uh, is uh, we'll get to our games to watch tonight. And we're also going to get to our fake locker room sound. Actually, we're going to do that right now. So earlier today, uh, Team USA defeated Team Canada at the Women's World Championship 5-2. to two. Fairly dominant game. They scored an empty netter. Now, in fake locker room sound, we're really lucky. We have spies everywhere that 
record things for us that, um, you know, they, they uh, will ship things out to us that maybe people, they didn't know that we had. And this is one of those things. We got it, um, like I said, a little bit, a uh, bit ago, it came in, and apparently our spy got a hold of this recording. This is the USA coach before today's game with Canada in our fake locker room sound. Great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here tonight, boys. Girls. That's what you've earned here tonight. One game. If we played them ten times, they might win nine. But not this game. Not tonight. Tonight, we skate with them. Tonight, we stay with them. And we shut them down because we can. Tonight, we are the greatest hockey team in the world. There we go. What a speech pre-game for the American women today against Canada, and they go out and win 5-2. I mean, that is one hell of a speech. And again, our spies are everywhere. We've got uh, microphones, cameras everywhere. Kind of fitting that we had uh, an American go. If you don't know, that speech is from Miracle. Kurt Russell did such a good job. I mean, when you watch that speech, even if you're not American, or even if you weren't alive for the Miracle on Ice in 1980, doesn't the hair on your neck stand up? I, I'm kind of a sucker for those movie moments, the raw, raw moments, which I don't think really happen all that often in real life. I mean, sometimes, like Chris Dingman told me a great story about Bob Hartley. I think it was Bob Hartley. And how he came in and tore the team apart one time after a first intermission or whatever. And then left the room. And Patrick Waugh got up and said, like, just tore, like, Joe, Peter, you guys are playing like bleep. Remember, I don't swear. What are we? We're wheels, not swivels. So Patrick Waugh got up and he's like, that guy is a coward. He's not going to uh, uh, give you guys heck, critique you, whatever. You guys are playing like bleep. And then they, Dingman said it was like they won, won the Stanley Cup. They went out and just obliterated everybody. So like those speeches happen very few and far between. The raw, raw, kick the guard. They used to, you know. I remember a, a coach for a junior team threw a glass bottle across the dressing room and it shattered just inches from a player's face. I, I, I was told a story of a guy punched a player on the bench one time. Those things are definitely not happening anymore. The way the, you know, the, the game has had its reckoning and rightfully so. But that's a great speech. That miracle speech originally from Herb Brooks 
Kurt Russell delivers it absolutely perfectly. I liked it. Uh, okay, so games to watch tonight. Um, obviously, you, you can check out the U.S. Open. Venus won today. Uh, Serena will play on Wednesday again, but certainly some great matches going on. How about this one? The uh, Orioles and the Guardians. Cal Quantrill on the hill for Cleveland. And uh, Watkins takes the hill for the, the Orioles. This is an interesting matchup because these they, they're not in the same division. But they're both could impact each other for the playoffs. I mean, I don't think a, a lot of people saw Cleveland leading the AL Central. And they might not. The, the, Mar- or the, uh, the Twins, the Minnesota Twins, are, are right on their heels. And so why this game is important tonight is because, so right now Cleveland is in the driver's seat in the division. But if they lose and Minnesota jumps up ahead in the division, then that means Baltimore is ahead of Cleveland for a wildcard spot. Right now, Baltimore is two games back of uh, the Toronto Blue Jays for the final wildcard spot. So this is a big game because while they're not in the division and not facing each other for a divisional playoff spot, they are battling each other for a wildcard spot. So if you want to see two desperate teams... Uh, you know, Baltimore's out of the playoffs right now. Cleveland could be out of the playoffs with two losses. And then they would fall behind Baltimore. So they're not really competing with each other in the division. They are kind of in the wild card spot. But they're both, if, if Cleveland falls out, they're both chasing Toronto, which, uh, who won last night, uh, and take on the, uh, the, the Cubs tonight. Oh, is, is Marcus Stroman pitching tonight? Maybe that would be a game to watch. Yes, Marcus Stroman pitching for the Cubs against Kevin Gossman. Hey, that's a matchup to watch right there. I'm really interested to see what kind of uh, reaction Marcus Stroman is going to get. Uh, uh, listen, I will be honest. I'm not the biggest Marcus Stroman fan. I think he worries too much about other stuff and makes stories bigger than they could be. Just my take. Can be a good pitcher and was excellent for at a time in Toronto, but teams are only going to put up with extracurricular stuff if you are a star. Otherwise, you're going to be bouncing around. So that'll be a game to watch too. Strowman and the Jays, or Strowman and the Cubs uh, against the Jays. You know, obviously the Jays are fighting for a playoff spot. The Cubs are nowhere near a wild. They're 15 and a half games out of a wild card spot. So. A couple of reasons to watch a couple of games tonight. Uh, you got the Guardians and the Orioles as they try to fight for different positioning in the in the playoffs, and then obviously Toronto and the Cubs for you know I guess for uh, more sentimental reasons. I, honestly, I don't think anybody's really getting excited to watch Marcus Stroman pitch unless it is Jays fans. Uh, so those are a couple of games uh, to watch this evening. Uh, would love to hear from you guys out in the Twitch world about what you might be watching tonight. Um, there will be some more U.S. Open action on and the uh, Women's uh, World Hockey Championship, uh, although it's probably pretty much over for uh, the day. Okay, we talked about it earlier. Uh, Sam Steele signs with a wild. Kale Fleury signs with Seattle. I'll just check quickly and see if there's uh, any other signings. Uh, we're getting, like, I don't know what's happening with some of these RFAs. 
Like the list of RFAs is getting is is not getting shorter. So I don't know if there any of them are waiting for arbitration hearings, uh, and then that's when a lot of deals get signed. But this is this is getting frustrating. I I want some more signings in the NHL. That's what I'm looking for. So we've got U.S. Open tonight. We got some Major League Baseball. Uh, I think the W actually, I think the WNBA returns tonight as well. So you can check that out and uh, see how the UF uh, WBA uh, fares as they are, of course, in the playoffs. And I think that's about it. Big thanks to Dave Jamison, TSN 1260 for joining the show today. Also Phil Beavis, who is involved with five different uh, fantasy point or fantasy franchises in the uh, UFFS. Oh, Arnie says, sounds like Jake for Tannen PTO in Edmonton, unless it's a rumor. Huh. Like, is Edmonton just, you know, they're, they're going to take on uh, reclamation projects all the time now? You know, they brought in Evander Kane, they brought him back? I don't, I don't, I do not think uh, the Edmonton Oilers need to bring Jake for Tannen in on a PTO. If that's a rumor, I don't know. I just seeing that now. First thoughts are I don't think they need him. You know, Jake's gonna have to work really hard to get back in the league after his off season. You know, it's uh, it's gonna be tough for him to get that, and um, maybe some team will do it. Still bizarre. I think he was sixth overall in that year. Craig Button had him ranked like forty sixth or something. It was still one of the weirdest uh, things ever. All right, Dave Jameson joined me on the show today. Phil Beavis as well. Uh, really, really had a fun time on the program today. And you know what? The best thing is we'll get to do it again tomorrow. Show Ali is going to drop by the show tomorrow. We're going to talk some uh, NBA, some WNBA, maybe some UFLB and Blue Jays, and we'll see what else we can get up to. Uh, Artie says the Oilers have pull Yarvey. I don't think they need Jake for Tannen. They need help on the blue line, even with uh, Patty Kane. But anyway, that's for tomorrow's show. Hopefully, we'll have some more big news then. Thanks for dropping by. Thank you much uh, for thank you very much to everybody who chimed in on the message board, and we'll continue to build this wonderful show on this wonderful network on this wonderful platform. Thank you very much uh, to my producer Trish. Everybody else, have yourself a wonderful day. We're back here again tomorrow for Eastern. Twitch.tv slash Ultimate Fantasy Sports. See you later. And love coming up. Thanks, Dad. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.